Applications for the Techstars Tech Central Sydney Accelerator Class of 2024 are closing on the 22nd of May. I'm Kirsten Hunter, the Managing Director of Techstars Sydney, and I'm looking for diverse and unstoppable founders who are using technology to solve the world's biggest problems to join this Accelerator cohort. The 12 successful businesses will get access to our 13-week mentor-driven accelerator, $120,000 US investment, and access to the Techstars network for life. Head to our Accelerator webpage to learn more and to apply. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists, to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. You're listening to a special interview series as part of a documentary W2D1 is producing about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. On the episode today, we have... Hi, I'm Rachel Yang. I'm a partner at Giant Leap. And uh, what exactly is Giant Leap for the uninitiated? Giant Leap is an impact-focused VC fund. So we target the same returns as traditional VCs, but we use an impact lens to review our investment opportunities. So we invest across three themes, health and wellbeing, sustainable living and empowering people. When would you say you first got involved in the Australian startup ecosystem? So I first got involved in 2017. So really just after the inception of Giant Leap in late 2016. Right. What, what attracted you to get involved or how, what was your, the first kind of exposure that made you go, okay, this is something I want to be involved with? For me, it was very much about the impact potential of venture capital and being able to invest in startups that solve social and environmental problems. So when I came across Giant Leap, it really was the uh, combination of all the things I was looking for in my next role. So I'd come from transactions experience. I previously worked in corporate finance and management consulting. Uh, I spent some time consulting to government to try and affect change at the policy level. Uh, So really working on social and environmental policy areas, um, business cases, etc., and thinking about how to affect change at the structural level. But really where I saw the most potential was in the private sector and thinking about uh, the potential for startups and tech startups, particularly to be able to uh, scale change and really create solutions to really pressing social and environmental problems um, in, a, in a way that could touch the most lives. So 2016, around that time, from your point of view, 
who who was visible so you, you joined giant leap but what else was visible um what were you aware of in this startup community who were the most notable organizations or people around so i really um came into the the venture and startup world um not knowing a huge number of of players and it felt pretty nascent so giant leap was the first 100 impact focused vc and a lot of the other vcs you know were starting to become known but for me you know you know about players like SquarePeg or, or Airtree, but not really very well. Um, so there was a bit of kind of activity that I was aware of, but I wasn't really, um, it didn't feel like it was in the mainstream media at all. Right. I think it was Launch Victoria that um, put your name forward. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's certainly, um, yeah, we have a strong relationship with Launch Vic. I also wear uh, a hat as the co-chair of Startup Victoria. So we're a not-for-profit member-driven organisation that is one of Australia's largest. So we have a reach of 60,000 and we're very much about helping founders to succeed. Um, Launch Vic is the government body that supports uh, startups and innovation. And uh, so Startup Vic and Launch Vic work closely together to build the ecosystem in Victoria. When you say, I think you just mentioned it around 2016 time when you got involved, that it, things were nascent in terms of specifically the impact investment scene or the, or the whole scene? Definitely the impact investment scene, but also from where I sat, I felt that um, the startup and VC scene was pretty nascent in terms of not being as kind of talked about as it is now for sure the the ecosystem more broadly has grown but impact investment was still very nascent and particularly impact vc with um, us as giant late being the first 100 percent impact focused vc you know there were others in the us but in australia it, there was still a belief that uh, you had to trade off impact for commercial returns uh, but now the the narrative has really changed people are realizing that in fact, if you don't focus on impact and don't think about the social environmental um, problems that a company is solving, then you're potentially leaving value on the table. You know, talent wants to work at places where there is a strong mission and purpose and then also consumers want to buy sustainably and ethically. So there's a real opportunity now that people are starting to see. But back then it really wasn't talked about um, in that way. It was kind of seen as you're either working on a not-for-profit or social enterprise or you're working on a commercial business. What do you think the catalyst was that not only the impact investment side of things but more broadly the investment side of things that started to really make people take notice or, or you know wanted to allocate funds to this asset class like what really picked things up in your opinion? So I think there's been a number of factors. Firstly the success of tech businesses globally think has piqued people's interest. So the fact that, you know, there are uh, the Amazons and the Facebooks out there now that we can name that everybody knows about and there has been that significant growth in the tech sector and everyone's moving to working from home, you know, the, the rate of technology adoption and technology development has accelerated exponentially. And so I definitely see that, that has played a big part. People are seeing real opportunity um, in the tech sector. 
And then also I think people are looking for other asset classes because, you know, for various different reasons, but whether they've lost faith in the public markets or whether they, you know, there's more capital in the um there's more capital around that you know, property is not the same as it used to be, looking at areas for investment that are just a little bit different where you can achieve outsized returns. I think that was that has been a significant catalyst as well. Mm. Fast forwarding to present day, and either speaking from a Victoria point of view or a, a national point of view, what, what do you think some of the biggest gaps are today in the, in the ecosystem? Where could we make the biggest improvements? I think there are two main areas that we can make the biggest improvements. The first one being talent and attracting people who have, you know, expats um, that have gone to an experienced life at, at some of the larger tech startups in Silicon Valley, for example, and coming back home to, to share um, their experiences and having those people that have done it all before to, to help build the maturity of the Australian ecosystem. And also broadly as our startup ecosystem grows, I think there is just a shortage of talent at all levels. And then secondly, I think we need to come a long way in in terms of diversity and uh, we are gradually getting there and, and talking about it a lot more in terms of women and cultural diversity within the startup sector. But it certainly needs to be improved um, even further because I think there is an imbalance if the tech that is being built isn't being built by those that it wishes to serve. So ensuring that there is that diversity around the table I think is really important and we do have some way to go ensuring uh, that the environment is inclusive and, you know, it's not as it was 10 years ago where it was kind of very, very Broy and you know uh, exclusive. I think now we are shifting towards a more inclusive environment. Yeah, how how do we do that? How do we make some pretty you know bold movements or move that needle? Yeah, there are a number of things I think we we need to do. Um, there's no silver bullet, and I think the this type of change does take time. There's a cultural issue, and just firstly. The fact that we recognise that it is a problem and I think more and more people are starting to recognise that, I think that's a good step in the right direction. Um, But then moving towards things like, so Giant Leap has invested in a platform called Applied. It's a recruitment platform that aims to remove unconscious bias from the process. So um, it is moving away from CVs and previous experience uh, and moving towards skills-based testing and reviewing blind and we're currently going through that process at the moment to hire an analyst. And you know, we said that we wouldn't review any applications until we received applications for from at least 20 women because we were hearing from our peers in the industry that they were either getting no women applying or a very small percentage. So we thought we'd need to set um, a, at least a minimum uh, to try and move the dial and do what we could to demonstrate that we were serious about and we are serious about diversity. And so I wrote a piece about how our hiring process is as inclusive as possible. And one of those areas is really about trying to remove unconscious bias. That sounds like a really interesting program that you guys have invested in. Um, yeah, I'd love to see more people adopt that. Yeah, it's a really interesting one because I think, you know, 
some of the little techniques that they include into the platform is things like you you review all the responses to one question and then for the next question all the responses are jumbled so you don't carry over halo bias so if you for example liked the response to to respondent one then for question two it's a different order so even little things like that can be really powerful in helping us to minimize that bias what do you think uh, as a community um in general that we're doing really well in like what what maybe sets this ecosystem or community apart i think one of the unique advantages of our ecosystem right now is that it is quite small and so everybody seems to know each other and you know really still be collaborative i think that's really wonderful to have and be able to to share knowledge to grow together i think some of the you know when you hear about in the us there being a lot more competition and it being a bit more ruthless um i think there is a lot of value to be had in collaborating and continuing that collaboration you know at least for the for the moment as we as we grow and we learn together in building this environment and and make it a thriving ecosystem i also feel like there are pockets of you know there is goodwill there's a lot of goodwill in terms of the angel investors working together and then also um organizations like launchvic that are committing funds to support the the growth of of the innovation um, ecosystem so for example they committed uh around 60 million to improving digital skills and education um they've got a fund called the Alice Anderson fund to support women led businesses you know there is um that support from certain organizations within the ecosystem broadly there's a, a lady named Susan Oliver who has something yeah. to do with that, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, Maybe. yeah. She's yeah, she's really wonderful and a real um, advocate for for women led businesses, but also for startups and angel investment. Yeah, I interviewed her a few months ago. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any unpopular opinions that you just firmly believe like this is the case and this is what needs to happen or this shouldn't be happening that no one else seems to be or very few people maybe seem to be on the same page as you? I think the one that stands out for me is that whilst the world is is starting to change and move towards acknowledging impact being an opportunity, there are still a lot of people that are not believing that impact startups can actually be scalable. So there are a lot of challenges we come up against in the ability to to generate the same returns as say a Canva um, with a a business that solves a social environmental problem at the same time. We, We truly believe that is the case, but I think without those examples in the Australian ecosystem yet, we're starting to get there. So who gives a crap is a great example of one of those businesses that's doing really well in the impact space. But globally, there are kind of um, more examples and more impact funds. But I think locally, uh, we still need a few more examples to demonstrate that, you know, you can generate the same returns, if not better, through investing in impact startups. And what what do you tell those those people, those non-believers? Yeah, it's um, a, a good question. We the main areas we touch on are the fact that you can attract the best talent when you're 
working or in your you're creating a, a purpose-driven organization there was a an investor u.s investor I was talking to the other day that was saying that the best talent is actually they're leaving perfectly good jobs to work on something they believe in you know they might have a really high paying successful job in another growth business but if the purpose doesn't and mission doesn't resonate with them then they will leave because what we're starting to see is you know, with the great resignation as the pandemic has kind of taken over it's it's made people really rethink what's important and what they want to work on and what motivates them day to day and i think that we are really going to see um the the move of uh, employees kind of deciding where they want to go based on that aspect of uh, mission. And then secondly is really being able to attract more customers. So as wealth transfers to the millennial generation is much more focused on climate action and minimising the effects of, of climate change and ensuring that we do have a world for the future, um, you know, that they're spending in a way that is more ethical and sustainable. So the dollars are going to brands that help them live more sustainably and ethically. So, you know, 88% of consumers want brands to, to help them in the search for sustainable and ethical consumption, you know, being able to do that in a way that aligns with their values. Wow, 88%. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And, and you can think about even people you talk to day to day, everyone's thinking about what their carbon footprint is, like what, what, what impact they have in the world, especially in Australia, when we saw at the start of 2020, the bushfires, um, you know, the, then the pandemic and just realizing how interconnected we all are. What uh, one piece of advice would you give to a, a new founder? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think the piece of advice is almost a bit um, counter in the sense that everybody will give you advice along your journey and it will feel at times like you've got, you know, we, we talk about mental whiplash where you feel like you're just getting um, kind of told all sorts of different things on what you should do, what you shouldn't do and how you should go about things. And I think ultimately it's you that is doing the work and you that is committed to the business. If you have a, a strong North Star and that strong kind of mission, stick to that and then trust your gut uh, and be open to advice along the way and definitely taken on board and think about what works, but then also know that, um, you know, you've got to trust yourself along the way because everyone has advice to give, um, whether or not it's good advice or bad advice is another, um, another point. But I think if you trust yourself to, to navigate your way through it, I think that will hold you in good stead. With this last question, I kind of just want to give you a few minutes to talk about something that is just top of mind. You're always thinking about keeping in mind that we're trying to put build, you know, a, or to tell the story of the Australian startup ecosystem as truthfully and holistically as possible. We want founders, academics, I mean, just we want people from all corners of the startup ecosystem to, to hear this story. What message would you like to share with, with the community? That's a tough one because I think that, you know, one of the biggest things for me is just uh, there is no magic or secret sauce to being a founder in the sense that 
you know, you don't have to be a type of person. You don't have to be what you see in, in the media as that archetype. You know, that's a founder is really just anyone that has a problem that they feel is worth solving, that they're really passionate about and they want to commit their life to solving and, and setting up a business to do so. I think there is a, a preconception that you need to certainly be a type of person or a, you know, a white male or you know, whatever it is. There, there's, if you look around and you dig deep into the ecosystem, we're found, finding that there are so many diverse founders out there that have different skills and um, different problems that they're out there to solve. The one thing that they do have in common is that they really are motivated by doing their life's work. So I think that's the, the main thing for me is that um, it might seem clicky and exclusive and the tech world might seem unattainable or impossible to, to tap into. But really, if you just start talking to people around uh, around the place, you'll find that we're all um, human, approachable, happy to chat and want more people to get involved. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks, Adam. I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.